You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with an all new episode of Keep It. Kara is back. Bonjour. <laughs> you're, you're changed. I know. I'm in a I'm in a beret. We already made these jokes before, oh, sure. didn't we? On the bicycle with the baguette and No, right. I'm I'm back. I just wish I was no, I'm kidding. But I'm not. Uh, it sounded like it was pretty great. How yeah. Did, how was it though, like just being in Europe for a long time? And missing certain things. Guys, I didn't even... Michael Cohen, is that who it was? Mm -hmm. I saw that (laughs) happening and I was like, I don't care. I'm not in America. I'll figure this out later. There's been all of this shit with the WGA, the Writers Guild. We may have to... uh, Crazy shit. And I was like, you know what? I'm in Europe and none of this counts. That's right. When Mm -hmm. you're in another country, the news doesn't happen. So (laughs) I ate my my, uh, baguette. And I drank my champagne and my rosé, and I went about my business. So the come down hasn't happened yet, really. I mean, it started. I'm back. Yeah, Although right. I will say, guys, in America, we take this for granted. A 24-hour drugstore is not something that they do a lot of other places. It is not. I was in Paris on Sunday trying to find a drugstore and it's like three o'clock and truly everything was closed. The grocery store is closed like an hour later. I mean, I was like, what do you do if you wake up at 1130 with a cold? You can't drive to CVS. You can't get some NyQuil. <laughs> like what? You just you just deal with it. You just have to be sick. Boring question. Is, is France a place where people walk down the street drinking things? Well, like in a lot of other countries outside of the United States, you can have open care. So, like, yeah. I meant just like, like, in, like I went to Tokyo recently, and there's nobody is drinking coffee on the street. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm still mad at them. Guys, figure it out. Get get your iced coffee in your hands and start walking <laughs> with it. They tend to do that. I feel like they do it less. I haven't seen people in London do it that much. Yeah, no, like there's no garbage pa- cans anywhere in London. Well, yeah. in particular in Paris, like they're. You know, it's a you know they're like going to go to the cafe and have a coffee, so they don't need to like have it in their hands and stomp through the streets like us. They're like civilized, right? And and consuming food the way you're supposed to consume. No, it, it feels house. like they only drink things if they're going to sit around and discuss Simone de Beauvoir. It's like they don't always have the time. <laughs> How is Starbucks going to sell ads? <laughs> um, well, you did get back a few days ago. I did. And one sad news thing that happened recently mm-hmm. is Luke Perry died, and he really should not have. That was terribly depressing. Yeah. Um, So, Luke Perry, as we all know, well, I don't know if all of you know, from Beverly Hills 90210, who is listening to this who has never heard of it? Beverly Hills 90210? Yes. I mean, someone. Uh, Oh, I I see. I see. And also, he's on Riverdale. I'm now looking at Kara. Yes. 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 Uh, He played Archie's dad on Riverdale. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, for people slightly older than me, I feel like it was probably weird seeing Dylan go from teenager to dad, but I feel like I didn't start watching 90210 until Tiffany Amber Thiessen joined. Mm-hmm. So I missed, You're only the, human. I missed the nostalgia for like the high school years, Yeah, but mm-hmm. I love the college years with everyone the, doing drugs. This was interesting though, because I did not watch 90210. Mm-hmm. You know, I only got so far into Riverdale, but it I was still very sad. Um, it, it was like it was similar, I guess, to when Mac Miller died, where every story you've heard about him has been positive. And obviously, when people die, those tend to be the stories that we talk about. Mm-hmm. But like, he just—I was like, I have no real connection to him, and yet I felt very sad. And it also, he's—he was pretty young, mm-hmm. um, and it seemed completely out of nowhere. But yeah, it was like a real bummer. No, like Heather Matarazzo and like Colin Hanks and other people shared stories of how. Whether they were new to Hollywood or they were on a plane and interacted with him, and he was just nice to 
everyone. Yeah. And, I and feel he always like had if, that distant bad boy energy, too. So there is something gratifying about him being cool in any way, honestly. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's also 2019. So if they hated a bitch, somebody would be out there <laughs> who, with a piece and slate. When we are back, we'll be talking about Michael Jackson mm. and HBO mm-hmm. and Oprah. We'll also be joined by a friend of mine, London-based singer, Leo Callian. We'll be right back. Well, this weekend, I think a lot of us saw it, the HBO documentary Finding Neverland. Kate Winslet. She killed it. Johnny, Johnny Depp. If only. Yeah. It was very dark having mm. to see him. Don't you wish (laughs) just, this is the only scenario where I'm like, God, I wish it was Johnny Depp in a weird wig. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Instead of what it actually is. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he wasn't so far off from like Latter Day MJ. At least you were not alone era MJ. Yeah, the the white face, the glasses. Anyway, we're talking actually about um, Leaving Neverland, the four hour Michael Jackson documentary that aired on HBO and whew, that was grueling. That was it was it was a lot. You know, it was it told the stories of Wade Robson and James Safechuck, who revealed how Michael molested them as children and they both give in depth interviews, their family members do. It really just sort of dives into the details of each incident. I think that's what was so striking about the documentary yeah. to me, you know, because we sort of know the cases. Um, a lot of people I talked to actually did not really particularly remember when Wade came out. I don't. The thing is, I don't think people really knew the cases. I think it really was a situation where we all collectively, because he wasn't convicted of everything, decided that we didn't have to pay attention to what was happening and like I think people generally knew like yes we know that he was accused of this but at trial he was found not guilty or whatever you know Mm -hmm. we know that he didn't go to jail for it and so I you know in terms of the other accusers I kind of knew but I don't think that was something that most of us were were super familiar with up and I mean you know now there's been the the push in the lead up to the film but it it felt like with this movie, this was the first time we all really had to like have our eyes kept open and like you know you've sort of heard whispers or whatever, you kind of know bits and pieces about this story, but now you actually have to pay attention to what the whole story is. And also like it's centered actually on the victims because uh, inevitably any conversation casually you have about all of this moves towards figuring out why Michael Jackson is so weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just becomes gossip anyway, you know, so it moves away from facts and, you know, now seeing these two people in particular go step by step uh, through basically the grooming process of how they became friends with Michael, how their families were groomed, um, it, it it opens your mind. It, it just becomes way more real, frankly. Yeah, I thought what was really interesting was, as a kid, obviously, who grew up seeing a lot of this, remembering things that are sort of stuck in my mind, but I didn't know the full story for. Like, I remember seeing that 1993 address he did on TV. Yeah, yes, right. Um, when the allegations first hit, but I don't have memory of, obviously, watching it with the critical eye that I do now as a 32-year-old adult. And by the way, he what? had a second one of those addresses, yeah. too, right? In, like, 2005, yeah. he did another live to camera thing. And watching thing. it now, I'm just like, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I mean, the thing with any of these instances, like, it's not, it's obviously the failing of this individual who was, like, depraved and all of that. But it really is on every level. It is a failing from everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Harvey Weinstein was a failing from all of Hollywood. R. Kelly, that was an entire community, an entire city and industry that failed those girls. Michael Jackson is, like, kind of the whole fucking world. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the world let these kids down. The world knew that he would talk in interviews about, like, the family and no one disputes the fact that he slept in rooms with children. And I think what's interesting in the Oprah interview, um, she brings that up, you know, when she's talking about uh, child abuse. It's every family member is like, he was nice to me, or we all know that he slept with children, or whatever. It's like, 
cool. You all know that that happened, but you also know that the door closed and the lights went out and you were not there. Right. But it's interesting, though, because throughout the documentary, obviously it gets to that point. But like um, the mother of, I think, Wade Robson specifically would talk about how she became friends with Michael Jackson, too. And it really wasn't it wasn't like two encounters in, the door was shut in front of her face. It was oh, maybe course. like five or six. So it's just, there was never seismic shifts into, oh, now he's ensnared my kid. You know, it's it moved sort of slowly to that world. So you could see... The again, hotel's a, moving. Right. Yeah. yeah. Particularly but a story. It was hard. It's hard, though, because, I mean, obviously this is also layered and complicated and, like, it's not the fault of anything. It's Michael Jackson's fault. Mm-hmm. But it is hard to, like, Wade telling the story of, like, when his family went to the Grand Canyon and he stayed at Neverland. And you're like, that is weird. Yes. And, and and celebrity is weird. And celebrity is fucked up. And what it does to people and what, you know, people who have been confronted with it. Like, I get that it's hard to to process that correctly. But it's just like, if Michael Jackson were not Michael Jackson, would you have left your kid with this person? And so it does speak to like the way that celebrity Mm -hmm. gives things a pass. And it just, it was hard to like not look at the parents with some... Like a question mark, yeah. Yeah, and it's not there, it's not on them, but it's... It's just like, wow, so much of this is so sticky and like so uncomfortable. Well, one of the darkest moments of after even hearing about all the abuse and everything, I think, was just the last line of it where he's like, does he blame his parents? And he's like, pauses. And then he says, I'm working on that. Right. Mm. Uh, Which is fair. Yeah. I mean, and you look at photos and you see their lives were changed. You know, it's like it's not like it was some. snake oil salesman like Pirelli or something walking into town. It was Michael Jackson, the most famous person in the world. Uh, Oprah makes sure to mention, too, you know, that fame is much different now, you know? Yeah. It's not it's not um, Shawn Mendes or Ariana Grande staying at the, your home where yeah. m- you might not even know one of their songs or something. Like, everyone knows Michael Jackson's songs. Everyone knows what he looks like. Everyone's watching him on TV. And when that man steps into your home, like even the grandmother, when she's telling stories about it too, you know, she's like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. No, there was like an, there's an air of infallibility people ascribe to him just because he was not only so famous, but also so seemingly welcoming. You yes. know what I mean? Like you're grateful that he's approaching you. And he's been famous for so long since he was a kid. So it makes you feel like you know him. Right. It's, I mean, I hope of the many things that come from this because dear God, something has to. I I think one of the things that I've been reading about a lot is people saying like a pedophile or an abuser doesn't look the way that you think they look. Like a Mm -hmm. monster does not, it's not like the way that every rapist is not a man in a trench coat grabbing a woman down an alley and raping her. Mm -hmm. It often looks like your uncle or your boss or, you know, regular people. And so sort of the face of, because that was so much of it with him. Like, we couldn't believe it because it's Michael Jackson and he's famous and 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 he's childlike and all of this bullshit. But it's just like abusers and monsters don't necessarily look that way. Mm-hmm. And it's usually someone you know, because most childhood abuse happens with, you know, an enigmatic family member or someone connected to the family. Right. Also, I think it's just there is something still mind blowing from like a like casual p- pedestrian looking in vantage point of just how in certain ways Michael Jackson is just incredibly guileless. The fact that he would have Peter Pan as the emblem for his entire life is just so gross. You know, it's so gross to value a, a character who above all else is just a kid forever. I mean, it's just a weird thing to think as, you know. spiritual merit. I don't know. No, and even the idea that there were so many rooms, you know, in in that place. Oh, yeah, the amount of places with with beds. beds, Yeah, And Uh it's it's just, that's the stuff where, you know, people talk about how crazy it sounds. Um, The mom coming in is like, oh, you were in a secret room. I'm like, but we see them. Yeah. They're there. What's interesting is I've also been reading some reports from people like Rolling Stone and Forbes who covered like the trial in 2009 and in 94. And there was still this feeling from the media that those trials were circuses. 
you yeah. know? And it was, you can see it with the fans. With, I'd forgotten about fucking Dove Lady. Of course, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Icon. <laughs> it's like I was watching Second Act. Um, <laughs> her is just, you know, you... The first one, it's like, do you still believe all these people? Do you believe that it happened to every child? And for the famous people who say, no, it never happened to me, you're like, are they lying? You know, and then you start to think, you know, if Michael's an abuser, you can't think of him as this childlike person who stumbled into abuse. You have to think of him, this was methodical and these rooms, yeah. mm-hmm. which makes it also seem like, well, then of course he becomes friends with Macaulay Culkin because you can have one high profile kid who's going to stay with you and nothing happens. And then for life, they're a person who can say in the media, didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Something I learned is there are a lot of people who forgive this or don't like I, I've actually been shocked at how many people I've seen who say they don't believe them. Right. Like still. It's, it's still like watching the documentary, they've watched it and they're like, I, I don't believe this. They, you know, they they said at the other trial that he didn't molest them. And it's just I know because I know how we treat victims and I know that it's hard for people to understand, like, if you're someone who's been abused, why you would lie about what's happened to you. And the idea that like they both talk about how both men like still have love for him and how you could still love your abuser. I know that that's difficult and hard for people to understand if it's never happened to them or if they haven't put effort into understanding what it is like for people who have been abused. Um, people but, online, but a lot of fucking people. It's a lot of people. Like are they're like just, he still loves him. They're like, look or at just how the flat parents out, are or just flat about out. Him. The number of people just are like, I don't believe this mm-hmm. is crazy. And yeah. clinging to like, as you said, there's like a Forbes article that that just says. You know, Michael Jackson is one of the most investigated potential criminals right. ever. You know, so like they they cling. And to it was like, written before they saw the documentary. By the way, right, there's that right. caveat. It's like I haven't seen it. I just want to let you know that we went through these trials, and all of us still like him. You know, the amount of people I saw in my timeline saying, "Well, because we allegedly think Wade Robson broke up Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake." He's untrustworthy. It's like, oh, you can't get abused and then like have an affair. Also, Can you see that? that's Britney's fault too. Did yeah. you see that tweet from Ebony? <sighs> like Ebony is out here like they're trying to bring him down. I'm like, you all, everybody needs some help. It, Every last one of us, we all, we need to collectively as a globe go into some sort of therapy and counseling because what the fuck is wrong with Well, of all? course Ebony thinks people are out for money from Michael Jackson because they ain't paid their fucking freelancer. <laughs> <laughs> people are out for money from them. Difference is people just want $235 for something they did. There's also... What does the family think? And you constantly think about, you know, Janet, who I'm such a huge fan of. And what's interesting is I was reading an article from Newsweek, and it tried to, a bunch of articles, I think, tried to position the fact that she said something in 2016. And it's not actually from 2016. I looked back at that clip from Michael Jackson Unmasked, Mm -hmm. that documentary, and I couldn't pinpoint the year. I tried to ask someone online, but it's clearly. Janet in like the 90s and I think Cirque of the Trial or right after it uh, where she says of course I don't believe him people are doing this for money etc and that's the last time we've heard Janet talk about it Mm -hmm. and I feel like after the 94 trial I think everyone in America especially his family you know this man you are ready to believe yes this was all a scam this Mm -hmm. was for money you know, right, um, right. and what's weird is even people who do believe the victims, Wade and James, there's also people who just think that the person in the 94 trial was lying, that the dad was, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've learned that a lot of people do not care if you are um, abusing children. That has been the lesson here, as long as you sing and dance good. Yeah. The amount of people who invoke online, just that I've seen casually of, he brought joy to so many people. Like, are you brain damaged? So does Iggy Azalea. But that's the (laughs) other thing. Like, his music is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's not now right. not incredible. And I think that that's that's part of probably the disconnect here where mm-hmm. when you have these conversations it's like Michael Jackson is the greatest performer of all time, the greatest pop star of all time. He is still that. He was also most likely a pedophile. And I think that saying like now the music is bad. I feel like I've said this like a hundred times, but like the music is not now bad. The music is harder to listen to. It's all harder to swallow. But the notion that like the legacy of the art is fully now gone is ridiculous. Like it 
Thriller is still incredible, and this other thing happened, and it maybe now changes the way we talk about Thriller. It probably changes the way we listen to it, but the idea of just like it's all been scrubbed clean because we've now talked about who this person really is is asinine. And it's definitive music. I mean, if you think of that era, mm-hmm. like it, it, like 1983 does not exist without Thriller. Just the way, the, not the, quite the same situation, but for instance, like Jerry Lee Lewis, who had like his own, like married his cousin when she was 14 or whatever, the boogie woogie piano of the 50s, that doesn't exist without him. You well, know what I mean? So. Yeah, and and the direct line of Wade Robson um, being abused by him and emulating him and then taking that choreography to Britney and Justin and just sort of forming a base of what we saw and recreated in our homes. The whole line is just so messy. And it's hard to watch. As I said, oneandsix.org is a great resource if you're a male who's been sexually abused, um, either as an adult or as a child. So you should visit it if this conversation or the documentary was too hard for you to talk about with anyone. We'll be right back. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And (laughs) I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And we're back. Karen Lewis talked with my friend, London-based singer Leo Callian. Well, unfortunately, it's a sad day. It's happening. I guess you can say we're finally keeping up as this is the second week 
that we're discussing what the hell is going on with the Kardashians. This is a Herculean feat for me. (sighs) I mean, I wasn't here last week, but I, I feel I feel the pain nevertheless. Yeah. Since we've last talked about this, Jordan Woods and Khloe Kardashian have gone public and have not been afraid to speak freely about the cheating scandal. Woods broke her silence. Love that phrase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> broke the silence by sitting down with Jada Pinkett Smith on the Red Table Talk last Friday, sharing that she ended up at Tristan Thompson's house after a night with friends. And upon leaving the house in the early hours of the morning, Tristan kissed her. We'll get into why Tristan was having a house party with teens later. (laughs) She's also fired back at rumors that she gave him a lap dance and requested everyone's phones be taken away, claiming neither of those stories are true. She admitted that there was alcohol involved and that she was not blackout drunk and that she shouldn't have been there in the first place. The biggest claim that Woods made, to which Chloe immediately fired back on Twitter, was that she was not the reason Chloe and Tristan aren't together. So to dive into this news news is that what we're calling it i I mean like loosest definition we have but very well we have singer musician artist leo Callian. hello how's it going all the way from london all the way from london you came here just for this yeah i did i flew in especially you heard we were talking kardashians and thought i need to be here listen the kardashians (laughs) it's like global news (laughs) that's right yeah so i have to say i i was not a jordan woods to be honest, I didn't really know who Jordan Woods was. I didn't no, know either. Imagine I really know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might be a Jordan fan now. Every step of that interview I thought was kind of That rad. interview was flawless. From the beginning where she had Will Smith giving her that beautiful pep talk. From she, the set of Bad Boys 3. <laughs> right. And then she looked unbelievable. Her hair looked amazing. The her skin, makeup was the makeup. Flawless. She yeah. looked incredible. The mascara. Yeah, the mm-hmm. eyes were on. And like the perfect, like the turtleneck dress. It was just mm. perfect. Mm-hmm. And she was so calm during the interview. And it was really, you felt like, you know, like they explained at the top of the interview that uh, Jordan Woods and her family have known the Smiths for years, that Jordan's dad was a sound engineer on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And it really did feel like mom Jada was talking yeah. to like her to her daughter to her her niece. I don't think of Jada as somebody who can really break it down for us and yet it reminded me of uh, stop me if I have brought this talk show up on this show before. In the 90s, there used to be a talk show called Forgive or Forget, where people would come on the air and the host, who was at one point Robin Givens and then Mother Love, uh, they would talk. They would confess they had done something terrible, and then the talk show host would point to a door on the set and say, if your friend forgives you, he will appear behind the door. Right. And then they would go and answer it. Anyway, Jada, to me, was such a peacemaker <laughs> and such a, like, capable MC. I just, I, I was surprised this was the first time I'd ever watched Red Table Talk, and I sort of am now standing her as a, as a kind of, op- uh, that kind of... S- Oprah's sincerity. Red she Table did Talk have, is good. Yeah, I, I'd never seen Red Table Talk. Yeah. And um, I thought it was really great. And I think Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith has this kind of strict aunt like mm-hmm. vibe. Yes. <laughs> like you wouldn't want to, you would never want to say anything wrong or, or misbehave in front of her. So like she just has this thing where she's just completely bossy. And like if you, if you, if you, if you like lied to her, you'd be in a lot of trouble. But then like very loving. Yes. Yeah. Also, but that's it. Yeah. You know, like a loving aunt. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so, of course, because the Kardashians cannot keep their mouths shut, Chloe <clears throat> tweeted um, immediately after the interview saying, why are you lying at Jordan Woods? Question mark, question mark. If you're going to try and save yourself by going public, this is in all caps, instead of calling me privately to apologize first, back to lowercase, at least be capitalized, honest, lowercase, <laughs> about your story, capitalize, BTW, you capitalize, are the reason my family broke up. She like Roy Lichtenstein with this pop art capitalization. <laughs> so my favorite thing about this was, you, do you know like the term ratioed, Leo? No, I so don't. So basically on Twitter, someone tweets something, and so the ratio of responses, retweets, and likes. Right. And so basically you know you tweeted something stupid when the ratio of the responses is far greater than the than the retweets or the likes. Because you're not right. being endorsed, you're just being yeah. questioned. You're just so being questioned, yeah. So Chloe got her ass ratioed with a swiftness. And it was all of these people that were just like, your skank ass father of your child, boyfriend, whatever he is, is the reason your family broke up, especially since he cheated on you 
like a full year ago like how long ago was yeah, that yeah exactly he has a history of doing this yes. right and she is this twi- Jordan being this yeah. 21 year old who was put in this slightly compromising situation and of course like no, I guess she's not free of blame but the yeah. point is is that like as someone older and more experienced Tristan should have kind of Tristan should be the one yeah. who holds responsibility or like is in control of the situation um, I think it was also Chloe is like an adult woman yeah and you're on Twitter yelling <laughs> yeah. at a 21 year old like 21 year olds their brains are not done this is not to excuse whatever she did but like 21 year olds are dumb yeah also just when you're a Kardashian and one of the main three I just think it's weird to <laughs> yell at a random person <laughs> you know it's like you know what kind of power you, you yeah. wield you know but so the responses were mostly people responding to her like girl Basically, just like you're blaming the woman, you're blaming only one person mm-hmm. for this when it was Tristan, who who was the only person who made like a real promise to you, presumably. Um, and it was interesting too because it was a lot of black women who like came to Jordan's defense. I think because they're sick of this shit mm. from the Kardashians, where we've seen them pile on conveniently onto women of color before. Mm. They did it with Black China, who kind of deserved it, but still isn't a much. You know, like the the power dynamic is off. They did it to Amber Rose. Like they've done this shit before, and you could. I feel like people were just like, "No, we've had enough of this." And mm. no one, no one is feel sympathetic for Chloe either. I also want to say that in this interview, just watching uh, Jordan talk to Jada Pinkett. it reminded me at points of Serial, the podcast, how detailed they got with. Where were your legs in relation to his? Like like diagrams were being mm. drawn. I was pictured like, oh, they were kind of touching at the bottom. Now I see. I literally wanted to, like a listener of Serial, drive to the scene myself and go to the <laughs> Best Buy parking lot where Jordan started all this shit or whatever. <laughs> you know, so it was actually, it, was, it wasn't just entertaining. It was like, there was almost journalism in it is what I would say about it. <laughs> Yeah, it was just an interesting kind of dynamic when Jada was sort of like getting all the details out mm-hmm. of Jordan. Like I was sat, sat there trying to figure out, is she telling the truth? Isn't she telling the truth? Like it it was just kind of unclear because her story was like really detailed at certain points. And then at other points she was like, oh, um, I'm not really sure whether there was alcohol mm-hmm. involved and stuff. So it just it just kind of like makes the whole situation feel quite blurry but what is ridiculous is the fact that this is happening on twitter like yeah. i mean the fact that they're having this argument on twitter for everybody to see it's so juvenile yeah. um and it's so not the space for it and you've got to ask yourself like if this has happened so many times before yeah. you know why are we why are we kind of like watching it i also found myself not caring if jordan was telling the truth or not mm. i was like <laughs> like listen the fact of the matter is this is not the first time Tristan Thompson has cheated on you. Right. So for starters, that's not the reason your family has broken up. Second, she looked amazing. Right. Um, and I was like, I don't like these girls. I don't like the Kardashians anyway. So I don't, I don't really care if she's telling the truth or not. And it's like, had she also, hello, do we not remember when Kylie started dating Cl- Kim Kardashian's best friend's boyfriend? Right. So when when Black China was with Tyga and they had a child, and at the time Kim and Black China were very close friends, and Kylie started dating him, I'm like, this is literally the same shit. So the fact that any of these people are on any sort of high horse about like, because Chloe later sort of apologized and was like, I I shouldn't have blamed Jordan. It's just Tristan's fault. But you know, is upset that someone close to me hurt me. It's like, girl, were you hurt for Black China? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what else I want from this story other than for it to be done and for Jordan to maybe get a TV gig. I saw a really great tweet where someone thought she should get like a Fenty Beauty deal. Oh, and sure. And I was like, Ooh, that would be good. Because then you've got Rihanna who like, I don't, I've never seen her interact with the Kardashians. So I have a feeling she doesn't really fuck with them. You know what? That's true. I've never seen an interaction yeah. happen between Rihanna and the Kardashians. Do you think that that's just a situation that doesn't? I think Rihanna's just like cool and they're not. You know, like she's just like chill and cool and like has work to do. I guess she's effortless. Yeah. I just I've never seen any real interaction with them. Mm. So I'm I'm just going to assume Rihanna doesn't fuck with them. Jordan gets her Fenty Beauty deal. Um, <laughs> Jada, the talk circuit? What do we think? I mean, Red Table Talk is, it's, I mean, a I think sensation? this is the second season or there there's more episodes, so. Jada could be like the heir to the Oprah throne, actually. I mean, this is like <laughs> if I become famous and I kiss my friend's boyfriend, 
I'm going to Red Table Talk. Right. <laughs> to talk about it because she was I both, think if you ask politely, you're there. I mean, <laughs> because it was both like, it was just such a good forum for it. And I think also talking to someone as famous as her, mm. as opposed to like, obviously Oprah now is Oprah. But when you're talking to these other daytime, you know, like talk show hosts, they're not, they're not mega celebrities. Mm-hmm. Where when you're talking to Jada Pinkett Smith, she is like, top of the echelon a-list of a-list and like there's something to there's something to that 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 worked for me with the interview also there was something about at the beginning of the interview jada uh, says something along the lines of and we've all been like a mess before and that's something oprah would never say yeah and i actually believed it coming from jada i was like wow she's seen some things okay. yeah <laughs> to so, quote tiffany haddish you're from baltimore bitch <laughs> leo i have a question for you mm-hmm. as a an artist mm-hmm. how do you feel about people like the Kardashians taking up all of this space in the pop culture narrative when, you know, someone like you, you're you're creating things. Okay, so here's the thing. When the Kardashians first like started becoming a thing, I was very like, why is this happening? Why? Like why the Kardashians? They haven't done anything. Um, blah 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 blah. But the the reality is that in this world of social media and Instagram and Twitter and basically like superficial consumption and like very short attention spans and all that kind of stuff the Kardashians have like cracked that the the, the sort of the way of manipulating that mm-hmm. and there is a there is a talent in that because not everybody can do it do you know mm-hmm. what I mean so initially I thought okay whatever you guys I'm just going to dismiss you because mm-hmm. you don't have any real talent mm-hmm. but I actually do think they have a lot of talent and skill they've got an ability to hold people's attention. I mean, this being a case in point, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? This is actually just proves the point that they are able to entertain people yeah. with their lives or whatever, how real it is or how fake it is. I mean, who knows? I mean, we live in a world of fake news now, so everything is fake. Yeah. Everything can be questioned. So um, I I didn't like them, mm-hmm. but I actually do kind of like them now because I think that they represent this new way of consuming entertainment and this new way of like us interacting with each other in this kind of Instagram, instant Twitter way, and for better or for worse. Yeah. How oh. popular are they in the UK? Extremely popular. Still, yeah. Like, yeah, no, no, you can't get away from them. The Kardashians <laughs> are a global phenomenon. They are everywhere. Like, they are in the Middle East. Yeah. They are in um, Asia. They're in England. They're all over Europe. People know about the Kardashians everywhere because also they've like create, you know, Kim and Kylie have created this kind of like beauty empire as well. And they've almost redefined in a way what that whole 90s beauty thing, which was like the whole skinny Kate Moss thing. They've like taken that and like flipped it. Well, they didn't. They've gotten credit for something that they've gotten credit for something that mostly women of color had been doing. Of course, of course, of course. But but yeah, they've. That was my next point. They've kind of like gone almost like it's almost like a pan-racialness. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Where they're taking different bits of like different races and and putting them together in this kind of zombie way. And I'm not trying to say this is a good thing, by the way. I can see your face and you're like, hmm. (laughs) Your face is like, hmm. But like, I'm not trying to say that this is a good thing. I'm just trying to say that like, this is what they've made mainstream. Yeah. And of course, there's a a lot of privilege that comes with that because they are taking a lot of features that are traditionally from women of color. Yeah. And they are mainstreaming those things. But like... You know who the winner in all this is is Kanye because we haven't been talking about his ass. That's true. (laughs) I would say last week we ended up bringing up Kim for a second and I thought we were going to get away with not having to do that. I felt bad. Were you a Kanye fan? Uh, My Kanye fan. I love his music. I think think he's so talented. I think he's a little bit, you know. Because you dip into like hip hop as like an influence in your music. Yeah, massively. Yeah, Yeah. massively. So I think he's he's phenomenally talented. I think he's a great musician. I think his music has been awesome. And even now his music still pushes boundaries and things. Um, Obviously, like his his political allegiances are kind of questionable. That's that's very (laughs) That is very British and polite of you. You were just more diplomatic than he ever was. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so his political sort of alliances and allegiances are kind of questionable and, um, well, more than questionable. And, you know, just the way that he does things is also slightly crazy. In general, are you excited by popular pop music right now like are you into what is on the radio no no Mm. no i'm really not i have to admit i'm not into what's on the radio there's a couple of artists that i like 
Who do you like? I really love Billie Eilish. Okay. Um, that name is suddenly everywhere. I'm going to have to learn this person. See, I have been listening to her for the past sort of year and a half or so. And I mean, I'm a big fan of um, dreamy, ambient, R&B cinematic kind of like transportive music like I love Sade yeah. uh-huh. you know mm-hmm. and, and I love Lovers like, Rock please I mean yeah exactly that whole album and then um, you know I love George Michael from from the, the older period I love that album that whole album is like a big influence on me um, and yeah like, I love Lana Del Rey for example I think she's great too um, there's Frank Ocean Solange do you like the new Solange album I haven't actually heard the new Solange okay. album yet I just started watching the, yeah, the visual yeah. and I was like wait I need I need to actually sit down and watch yeah. 45 minutes I need I need to give myself a moment for this where do you then hope pop culture or like pop music is gonna go I hope it's going to go to a more diverse place again. And mm-hmm. by di- diverse, I mean not just ethnically diverse, because obviously there, there is lots of diversity in American music, but there's actually not that much like ethnic diversity in British music. And if you mm-hmm. actually think, I mean, I'm South Asian. Mm-hmm. My family's like Pakistani and Indian. And um, if you think about like the complete lack of representation of brown people, mm-hmm. South Asian people within, um, within music, mm-hmm. Western music anywhere, even though a lot of, um, a lot of like, a lot of music sort of samples Indian sounds. Like right. if you think of like, I don't know, lots of stuff that Timberlands are like, Miss yeah, Elliot's yeah, yeah. getting mm-hmm. a freak on. Or t- um, Every once in a while a yeah. tabla comes out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Selena Gomez. And um, what is which, um, which one is that? If you want it, come and get it. Is that come and get it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. That's, yeah, that's, that's guys, right. Guys, I fully like didn't even recognize that she had a pop career. <laughs> like forget. legit, like I was like, oh, she was on Wizards of Waverly Place and Jada just dated Justin Bieber. And my friend was like, Kara, she's like a she's massive a, pop like star. She's like a huge pop star. And I like didn't know. Her voice could kind of belong to anybody. I almost am sympathetic it, it's there. One of, she's yeah. one of those people where when I hear the song, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, love you like a love song. That's yeah, you, uh-huh, but yeah. I don't, you know. I mean, it's not her, it's not her like specialized forte like her artistry I mean it's not her artistry so it's yeah. something that she does I, 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 yeah. get, I get the feeling that Selena Gomez isn't like deeply passionate about about music yeah. I think it's just something that she does and that's not a bad thing she's an all round entertainer she started off as an actress yeah, right? yeah. So, um, but yeah no I mean pop music right now is in, is in, is in a kind of a strange place I mean um, it, it's it's just not as interesting as it used to be. It's mm-hmm. not as diverse sonically as it used to be. Mm-hmm. I kind of like love that whole late 90s, early noughties period where there was lots mm-hmm. of different kinds of sounds and lots of different mm-hmm. kinds of music and everything was doing really well. Um, but with this sort of rise of streaming and piracy, like there's only certain kinds of music that connect commercially. And therefore, people are kind of creating music to fit onto playlists yeah. as opposed to creating music to kind of grow as an artist. And that's why I like Billie Eilish is because she's doing something quite different to... Um, to what we've seen and it's quite it's sort of taking what Lana Del Rey did and like taking it in a different direction but um, yeah that's that's why I like it. What's next for you musically? Um, I have another song coming out in about a month and a half Mm -hmm. and I've got an EP coming out in May June time so I just released a single about a month and a half ago called Trevi Fountain so check that out on Spotify iTunes all the usual places. One of the fancier fountains I have to say (laughs) if I had to rank all the fountains in the world. I mean yeah, exactly. I picked yeah. the top one. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Ambition. Jesus. Well, Leo, thank you for being here. I think, did we get to the bottom of the yeah, Kardashians? Yeah, did, did we solve them? I yeah. mean, is there a way of getting to the bottom? I don't you know, know. My my final hope is I hope Jordan gets a beauty contract. Yep. Um, I hope that she finds a place to live because she'd been living in Kylie's guest house and presumably is homeless. <laughs> um, I hope Chloe finds a man who doesn't willfully cheat on her. Which, and in a piece. I really hope she finds I mean, in a I don't care about that, but uh, a tip to her: it might help if you don't if you start with a man who didn't cheat on his current girlfriend with you, mm-hmm. mm, and she wasn't she wasn't also eight months pregnant. The more you know, with you, the more you know. That might be a hot start to finding a faithful man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually like the worst place to start, right? Truly, I mean, truly, you kind of you kind of can't blame the situation to yeah. being what it is when it when it started there. <laughs> that's correct, and we will be right back. Hey guys, I hope that interview was great. Up next, we're going to talk about Steven Spielberg. (laughs) 
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. How many of you knew that Steven Spielberg was a producer of Green Book? I did not know Was he a producer or he was just a big fan of it? No, he got it distribution and also Amblin was a producer. Mm. When he said he saw it five times, um, my question... Does he not know that life is too short? Come on. <laughs> Technically, Five Peter fairly said that in an interview when he said that he that fell through at Focus and he reached out to Steven Spielberg as Spielberg was like, I've watched it five times in two weeks, and then he got it distribution. Um, but still, five fucking times. He does love movies about dudes who uh, become better people. Outside of The Color Purple, Steven Spielberg does not like making movies about um, women. Also, no. while we're on the topic of Steven Spielberg and black people, give us back the rights to MLK's speech. I don't know about this. He yeah. owns the rights to Martin. Like, the, I have a dream. Yeah. To oh, that, wow. So that's why when you watch Selma, Ava DuVernay, they had to re, they had to write new speeches for Martin Luther King because they don't have the rights to one that he used. And he's been sitting on them because he thinks that somebody wants an MLK movie from him. Mm. And we don't. We and do give not, us that shit back. Give it to a black person. We don't want you. Thank you for the color purple. Thank you. That's it. You're <laughs> done. We don't want you making any goddamn more movies. Certainly not about Martin Luther King Jr. And frankly, with black people and black history, you might want to fall back. No thank you to Red Tails as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wait, was that George Lucas? No, that no, was George Lucas. Him, but yeah. George Lucas is married to a black, a black woman, woman, so it's, it's yes. fine. He makes a bunch of bad Why are movies. we talking about Steven Spielberg, Ira? <laughs> uh, we are talking about Steven Spielberg because this Green Book loving person, imagine it. He is after Netflix. That's right. In the wake of Roma He's winning mad. several Oscars, he is big mad. Uh, he is an Academy member, and he is a chair of the Academy, and he is planning to propose a rule that would deem Netflix films ineligible for Oscars at the next Academy Board of Governors meeting. Because they need what a four. It would require that every feature film has a four-week theatrical mm-hmm. run before it could be eligible for an Academy Award. Yes, mm-hmm. and he's even kind of testy about what Manchester by the Sea did or Roma did, where they're in theaters for a second, and that's yeah, yeah. So, so he doesn't want any of that. And does Steven Spielberg know how much it costs to go to a movie? A has million Steven dollars. Spielberg, it cost for like a family of four. That's like a hundred and fifty bucks. Just you, you go to the, your tickets, the parking, you somebody wants some popcorn, a soda. Like, that's a lot of goddamn money as opposed to a Netflix subscription, which is what is it now? Twelve dollars, fifteen dollars. Keep going. Getting, they keep sneaking that uh, yeah. price up on us. Keep getting emails where they're like, just so you know, your Netflix price has gone up. Yeah. Uh I spent nineteen dollars on a ticket to see fucking Greta. Me too. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which is my fantastic. keep it. Is it? Yeah, get, we'll get we'll get there. Your mother had to die so that we could be together. We'll talk about <laughs> it. Steven, I, I just don't get it. I don't get this attitude from people who feel this way about streaming. I mean, I guess I sort of do because as we were saying, you know, Steven Spielberg loves movies with a white male protagonist who's coming of age. Yes. <laughs> and those aren't the kind of movies that people in streaming are sort of reaching out for, you know? We're getting to see more diverse voices 
make films because you know it's just like you give them some money from Netflix or you buy their film and it's given to an audience that would normally be able to see those films. Right, no, Ava yeah. DuVernay talking about how her movie 13th has the by far the widest exposure of everything she's made because it was on Netflix is super relevant. I think Steven Spielberg just frankly isn't considering how many people don't get to see movies the way he thinks people should see movies. That, that mm-hmm. is part of it. It's like everyone should have the theatrical experience and it's like, listen, if it's Avatar, maybe, but like maybe you don't care. Like, I don't need to see, I don't need to see a rom com on the big screen, right? You know what I mean? I'd actually rather see that on my couch. But it is, it is this very like old school, old man like movies are. You go to the theater, mm-hmm. you know, and like that's the magic of cinema, like that kind of shit. And it's just like, hey man, there's like a whole bunch of people that are way younger than you, and they don't want to do that shit. And as someone who was such an innovator in the film genre yeah. in the 70s and, you know, just the way we use technology in films, it's just sort of crazy that he's – there are people who are now on that forefront. Let yeah. them do that. You were changing the game back when. Still make your game. No one's going to take your movies out of the theater. Yeah. It also seems like a strange moment to be obsessed with this after Roma did so well at the – I mean, guys – Roma was so much better than everything that came out this year. Whatever Netflix had to do to get it out everywhere, thank the fucking Lord, because it was so much better than almost everything that came out this year, I thought. I think the other thing is people were positioning this as like, you know, Netflix versus Steven Spielberg. And I saw people that were very obnoxiously like, oh, you're standing up for Netflix? Like, it isn't a corporation that's just Mm -hmm. out to make money. And they, you know, they want to do this because they want to win Oscars. But... It's not just about Netflix, because in the near future, I have to assume that it's not going to be the only streaming service making feature films. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just about Netflix getting their Oscars, which is clearly what Netflix is trying to do, which fine. Mm -hmm. But it's like there are many other streaming services. There will be more streaming services. And that means that there are more platforms for people who traditionally don't get to make movies to have space to make films. And that's really what it is. And I think it's really disingenuous for people to just like, to be like, oh, you're defending Netflix. It's like, no, we're just saying, you know, it would be nice to have more options. And the thing is, it doesn't behoove the people that are complaining to have more options. It's usually, you're probably like, your movie's not gonna get made anymore. It's maybe now gonna be an Asian woman gets her movie made by Netflix instead of whatever the fuck you were doing. So I just, I think that I found that argument like particularly obnoxious from people. Um, Also just the need for a paradigm shift in terms of movies made by different people gaining more exposure has reached a fever pitch. So we need to lean into that. And by that, and so it's like to resist Netflix feels very strange at this point. It's like going to a movie, ugh, again, like that's a lot of work. I live walking distance from the Grove and let me tell you, it takes a lot for me to walk my ass to actually go to a movie theater. Oh, takes, yeah. Takes a lot. Well, you're, you have to go past that really crowded Zara, too. I, don't, I mean, I don't, and I don't. then I probably am going to go into the Zara, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. buy something, and then it's like, now this day has cost me $70. It was, the movie ticket was just 50 you know? You know, I went to see Happy Death Day at AMC, and that was enjoyable, and I think maybe the problem is you just stop seeing movies inside malls in LA. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just go, just go to the actual theater. <laughs> just just have a, a theater that is freestanding. Uh, well, uh, I hope they lose their vote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we're back, keep it. And we're back with the best segment of every episode, obviously, mm-hmm. is Keep It. Which is also the name of the show. Yeah. Well, Branding. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, what is your keep it? I regret to inform everyone that I am saying keep it to the movie Greta, which has already been brought up this episode. Now, it's a horror movie about Isabel Huppert finding Chloe Grace Moretz interesting. And I don't know why she signed on. But here's the thing. So it's a movie about uh, this girl, Chloe Grace Moretz, who finds a bag on a subway and then goes to return it to this woman who seems nice at first, and then she discovers quickly that this is all part of an ensnaring process that Isabel Huppert has lined up. Isabel Huppert is unbelievable and gets to just be a psycho. However, we find out she's a psycho way too early, and I feel like she doesn't do enough crazy shit for me. She, like, imprisons her, and then, like... She's ordering wine, though, in very interesting ways. She's, yes. Uh, I wish it were, like, a little bit more hilarious. Spitting gum into people's hair. Like, so you, know, you just didn't like this movie. Yeah, yeah. You know how the movie yeah. Obsessed has enough where you're like, not only is it thrilling, but, like, you you get, like, a oh shit laugh every once in a while? I don't feel like you get that so in Greta. You're, is your, you just, like, have people been really into it, and you think it's not as... It, it doesn't I deserve I think it the... should be the thing I am number one 
gone into, oh, and I'm not. And you're not. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Because it's very bad. But a lot of people are enjoying. Like I'm enjoying how bad it was because I was laughing is, at it. Is it like day after tomorrow? Bird box bad? No, it is. No. It is. It's like it's, it is incompetent filmmaking. Bad. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Is, this is too long. It is. What is happening in these scenes? How do you kidnap someone? Uh, you still use their phone to contact people, and the police haven't found you by find your I, iPhone. The, I in, mean, yeah, the involvement of the police makes no sense. My yeah. my hot take on this is that every movie made in the last. 60 years has been 20 to 30 minutes too long. And this is only 90 minutes. Every movie (laughs) is too long. She's also just the cliche of a stalker like standing outside frozen looking in a window. Standing outside the restaurant for an entire day cracked me up. (laughs) And also her co-worker was like oh is that your stalker? Good luck. Have you you guys just fully spoiled this movie for people? (laughs) The trailer does. The trailer tells you absolutely everything. Which is to circumvent Kara because it's exactly that. My keep it is to trailers okay. that are reve- <laughs> oh, revealing get everything. Still, I, I saw Happy Death Day to you, and they showed the trailer for this movie, the, the Greta. They showed the trailer for The Intruder. They showed the trailer for Ma. Mm, did you see the Did you see the trailer? Did you see the Spider Man into the universe? Yeah. The, the trailer about the dog. It's like a dog's way home, and at the end of the trailer, you see the dog come home to its original owner, and there was this kid behind me. He goes. So that was the movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Ma, that movie, like everything except for us, I feel like, which you have no idea what the fuck's going to happen in that right. movie. But so many movies are just showing you this is what's happening in the movie. <laughs> Here's five minutes that just recaps the whole movie for you. Now go spend money on it. Ma better be the Greta of my dreams. That's all I'm saying. Do Octavia's you, bringing it. Do you it. think maybe they have twists we don't know about and that's what? I don't know. I mean, there's usually something. There's usually something ludicrous that happens in these films, which shows you why they're not um, films being released later in the year. And that's also, by the way, the problem with these trailers. You assume, oh, there must be a twist. I don't know, since it right, seems like right. they gave so much away, and then it's like, no, you didn't. Oh, they just told you the movie. Yeah, yeah. right. Anyway, stop doing that. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> that's why people are going to the movie. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I know what happened. <laughs> In Lincoln, I know he gets shot. <laughs> the trailer showed me. Carol, what is your keep it? My keep it. So, I don't know if you guys saw, because it's been hard to avoid. Uh, Pete Davidson and Kate Beckinsale have just oh, been yeah. like making out around New York. Oh, mon dieu. My keep it is to Pete Davidson now being a celebrity that we care about. <laughs> because it was, I remember when he and Ariana first started dating and you were like, okay, she's dating that that bug-eyed boy from SNL. And you kind of cared. You mostly cared because she was doing something. Mm. And as soon as that was over, I was like, great. Let's just, he can go back to his normal life, which frankly, it seems like he wants. He does not seem to handle this attention super well. And like, it seems like he does want to just like do SNL and be kind of chill. But now we have paparazzi with him tonguing down Kate Beckinsale. Is that is that who it was? Yeah. yeah. Someone I couldn't remember. I was like, the last thing I remember her in was serendipity. But here's the was thing. That one, her? one of my favorite comedians is... Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> Love and Friendship, she is hilarious. Last Days of Disco, she is hilarious. She was hilarious sure. wandering yes. into my New Year's Eve party for 20 minutes and then wandering out. Oh, my God. Are you Andy Cohen? Oh, my God. I am. The lowest rent. Well, tell her, tell her to make out with him in private because I, I just don't. He's not... He's not that famous. He's on SNL, which we all just watch the clips of the next day anyway, and let other than Donald Trump, who's the only person watching SNL live anymore. I just don't. I should the second keep it here. He, he's he not coming for he's, SNL. No, I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't care about him. He is not. Just let him go. Yeah, he's some 23 year old who acts like, who dresses like a kid in detention. Yeah. I mean, just done. What's funny is it seems to like. People are like, do it, girl, Kate. You know, like, you got a show coming out. Make out with Pete Davidson to get your attention. And Woo. I'm like, I think maybe she recognizes that this can, you know. I mean, we're I talking ho- about listen, Kate Beckinsale now. I hope it works. Did I you hope love it the, works. Did you love the stills of Anthony next to them at that game? The yeah. look on his face is just like, should I tell them to put peas in their mac and cheese? There's <laughs> him, and then there's like the black guy to the other side of Pete, and the two of them are both just like, have a lot of regrets. Imagine feeling me feeling sympathy for Anthony. That's what I'm most upset about. Do you think they were at the game together? 
I he must be friends with Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale knows a bunch. Of, he so knows a bunch of gay you guys. Bring your, you bring your friend to a hockey game and then you just make out with your boyfriend while your your guest is next to you. What is this Pen Fifteen? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen it yet. I've got to see it. Uh, well, you know what's crazy is that one of the teenagers uh, she wants something dry to drink and she says mm, something French like a Chablis. And, and that's what you took I'm from doing, the show? I'm doing Greta. Oh, okay. Oh, got it. Got it. <laughs> that's our show. Go see Greta. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even paying me. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Here you are. BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 